Welcome everyone to the Take It Home Podcast. I'm your host, John LaRocca. And on today's episode, I'm going to be covering Revolution Pro Wrestling, um, High Stakes Event. This is the show that featured the much-talked-about um, Will Ospreay versus Michael Oku match. Um, the reason why it got so much attention is that uh, Dave Meltzer, uh, the Wrestling Observer, gave this match five stars. And as many people know who are listening to this uh, podcast, I am a really good friend of Dave Meltzer's. And we're really close when it comes to matches a lot of times. But the last year or so, he's been... I noticed some ratings have been a little higher than I than I thought. Like, eh, they should be. And so when I heard about this, I thought, okay, this is a great show to watch. And this is a great match to watch to see if it truly is a five-star match. Um, so looking forward to watching the show. It's going to be a complete show review. Um, some matches I won't go in great detail. I'm just going to get an overall thought on the match and uh, what I thought about the individual performances, who stood out, who didn't, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. I, this is my first time I've ever watched Rev Pro, like a whole show from the opening match to the main event. Um, I've seen a few, I think, matches here and there if they're like available on YouTube or you know other uh, websites. I I never sat there and actually watched a, comp- a full event. So I'm gonna get into the, all that. What I thought about the event overall production and 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 whatnot so before i get to that let you guys know i've been talking about it for the last four weeks promise thomas and myself finally got together and we recorded the fight game the take it home podcast fight game media plus bonus show uh we recorded on wednesday it's, uh, I think it's going to debut this Monday. I believe that's what Gary Gonzalez was telling me. And it's, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoy talking to uh, uh, Promise Thomas. Uh, he's such a, just a fountain of knowledge on professional wrestling because, you know, he was, you know, still is an active wrestler. He's not wrestling right now because right now he's, you know, he's, he's doing the most important job of his career, of his, of his life and being a dad, a new dad to a beautiful baby, Shooter Jack. And, He's uh, but he's been in the business for twenty years, been wrestling for twenty years, and you know trained with the best and wrestled the best. Of course, you know wrestled at the highest level in WWE. So like for me, like I just enjoy talking to him and 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 getting his feedback on matches, on talent, and so for this show, from the bonus show that we did, we took uh, six wrestlers, one one one. Because one was a tag team, so it's, it can't be. It was supposed to be five, but it ended up being six because one was a tag team. We broke down, um, you know, six young wrestlers and talked about their work um, from the in ring. I talked about from the booking standpoint how like I would use them and and stuff like that. So it was it was a really fun show, and we're gonna continue to do those. I believe once a month. So it's just hard for Promise Thomas I to kind of get together because he's on the East Coast, I'm on the West Coast, but we were able to get it done this Wednesday, and I think you're all going to really enjoy it. And, you know, give us a shot. And it's on our Fight Game Media Patreon, so it it is behind a paywall, but it's only $5. It's literally a cup of coffee at Starbucks. Um, And just for $5, check it out. You get the whole 
um, Patreon for a month, and there's a lot of other great shows on there. Garrett Gonzalez and I, if you guys like some history podcasts, like we've been doing a Raw 1998 podcast where we go through all the uh, Raws week to week, even the pay-per-views, and and just kind of look back at that crazy time during the uh, really the kickstart of the Attitude Era, and the Attitude Era is in full swing. We're getting close to WrestleMania. Of course, that featured Steve Austin versus Shawn Michaels for the WWF Championship with Mike Dyson as the special enforcer, and it's 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 really cool as we're going back and watching, and you're seeing just the rise of Steve Austin, and you're seeing the rise of the Rock at the same time, so that's a lot of fun. So you get that show, too. And if there's other shows on there. Brace for Impact. You know, it's on the free feed, but the, all the news and all the all the all the juicy stuff um, is on the uh, on on the Fight Game Media Patreon. And there's uh, the you know S- Scott's Joshy Show, which is very very popular, and um, uh, you know just just a lot of great content on the Patreon. Check it out. I think you're going to enjoy it. And again, it's only five dollars a cup of coffee. Now, a couple things coming up too as well for me. Next week, I'm going to be checking out Terminus, and that's the John Gresham's promotion. Um, uh, this is a second show, so I'll I think it's on. Yeah, it's on Thursday, so I'll be watching on Thursday and Friday. I'll be probably record again on Saturday night, so it'll probably be dropping on a Sunday of next week. So I'm looking forward to that show because. Um, in a lot of ways, it's similar to Premier Wrestling, which you know I, I ran from 2013 to 2016, and when I was really like just kind of wanting to get back to the sport of wrestling, and so that's what Premier is about, and that's what John Gresham was doing at Terminus, and people really, you know, talking about their first show. I never got a chance to watch the first show. I just didn't go back and watch it, so I made it a point that. Next week, I'm going to be checking out Terminus, and I'm also probably going to give some thoughts on um, WXW shows that just happened this this weekend as we're recording. Uh, they're doing a, a few shows, and I think they're doing like a little mini four-man tournament, and the winner of either it's like a two – there's two blocks, and like one block – each winner of each block gets to go into the uh, – WXW 16 karat gold tournament. So I'm, I'm gonna talk about if there's any really great matches to watch. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about those next week if I can fit it all, fit it all in. Because you know Terminus, I don't know how long the show is gonna be. It could be uh, you know very long, and I might not be able to fix fit the WXW stuff. But if it's really good, I gotta talk about it, right? So speaking of long shows, <laughs> when I went to watch High Stakes from Rev Pro, and I click on. I see the I see the time, and I'm like, man, it's almost four hour show, and I'm like, four hour show. I mean, I know WWE does four hour shows, and it's a long AEW does four hour shows. It's a long time to watch those shows. I think three hours is good. Two and a half hours is better. I think that's the sweet spot. Um, when I was doing premiere, it was two hours, two hours and a half, and, and people got getting really good feedback on that. It's like they go to show, they don't get over, you know, tired of watching all this wrestling, and when they they leave, they have energy, and and I think sometimes when the show is like four hours long, you just get kind of like there's a point where you kind of zone out because it's it's just 
too much. And especially a show like this where it's a lot of action, a lot of similar action. Um, it's, you know, how many lake slaps can you hear? Like, you know, for four hours. It's So I actually had to break this up. I'm like, okay, I can't. I can't watch it all like in one day. I because I'm busy. I have three little beautiful babies, and you know I gotta balance that time, for, you know, family time, and, and doing this podcast. So it's you know four hour show. I, I gotta break it up, and and luckily since it's on demand, I can just kind of check it out. So I watched first half on Thursday night, and uh, a little bit. Last night, a little bit this morning, and then right before I started recording, I saved the main event of Will Ospreay and Michael Oku um, before I started recording because I really wanted it fresh because that's that's the match that that's the main issue on this what we're gonna talk about on this podcast. So I really wanted to have a fresh perspective, and when I go to record my thoughts on the match, now again, first time seeing Rev Pro. Uh, production. I mean, it, the building's beautiful that they're in. I just love that beautiful that 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 building. It just it just really films well. Um, they had this little mini stage uh, rampway, and you know, it, it looks cool. I I, th- it, I thought it looked cool. They have a, a great video wall, uh, great lighting, um, and the crowd is it was very hot. Very they're very into the product. Um, the main issue I had was the commentary. I just couldn't hear it. It's very muffled, and so when I there's some people I'd, on this show I'd, I don't I never seen before. So I would get bits and pieces. I can hear some history on them or some backstory of the pro of the match, why it's happening. But a lot of time it's just like noise and. So that was disappointing, and I, I hope they can kind of clean that up for future shows because it's important to have a a clear audio for your commentary. You know, that's what I love about WXW when I watch it, and uh, I believe it's in post when David Bradshaw does the uh, play by play, but it's so clear, and at the, at the same time, he's so great at his job. And I'm going to talk about uh, Dave, Brad David Bradshaw. I'm going to talk about a few others that. If I have, I've been I mean, wanting to talk about because we talk about the wrestling and we talk about the matches, but and the wrestlers, but like I think you, I you always watch everyone, right? It's not just the wrestlers. Um, I watch the referees, I watch the ring announcer, and I watch the play. I, you know, listen to play by play, the backstage interviewer. So I'm gonna like create my dream team. If I was gonna start a new promotion, and who would I get for my play-by-play? Who would I get for my backstage interview? Who would I get for my at ringside interviewer? Um, I think that would be a lot of fun. Who would be my Who would be my ring announcer? Because I want to shout out some people who I I feel have been just tremendous at those jobs. That should be, and these are gonna be not. Um, from WWE, from AEW, nothing like that. These are going to be um, people that are on the independent wrestling scene who I just think are major league top quality talents that should be working for WWE, should be working for AEW uh, because they're really good. And, it, and 
this day and age, it's very hard to find really good play to play, really good backstage interviewers. It's just, or ring announcers, because nowadays everyone wants to have a character. You know, everyone wants to have, everyone wants to put the tension on themselves. And, you know, the backstage interviewer just has to have credibility. The ring announcer just has to have credibility. The the commentator has to have credibility. That, that should be the most important, right? Like, they're not trying to stand out and be above the, the wrestlers, right? They're, they're supposed to compliment the wrestlers. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to get that in because I really want to give credit to where credit's due to some really good talents in those positions. Now, high stakes, 2022, nearly four-hour show. Started off with a, a gentleman in Gideon Gray, never seen before. Uh, came on the cane, but he had wrestling gear on. Uh, uh, really goofy looking dude. So he he's a heel, and and he and I'm like, okay, this guy seems like a nice like Weasley manager type, right? And I, but again, the audio wasn't the best, and he's trying to get some heat out there. It's, it's, it's lukewarm, you know, and. All of a sudden, he's going to have a match. Doesn't know who his opponent is. And the mystery opponent is Alex Coughlin from the New Japan Dojo. Now, I guess he's on excursion over in uh, the UK. And I guess he's graduating from the being a young boy now to beyond being a young boy. Whatever that is. I don't know what you call it. Main roster guy. And this seemed like a kind of a waste. Like. Instead of having Alex Coughlin as a surprise, I would just announce him as a being on the show versus someone, and he could still destroy him like he did. He destroyed this guy. He quickly won the match, but you know, and I was thinking like, God, oh, it's a four-hour show. Maybe this wasn't really needed here. You know, you could have maybe left him on it. Maybe he could have debuted on a different show, and or had him out there for an interview to kind of you know do something, but kind of shorten his show up, but it, you know, it was quick and it was, it was easy. I, I, I like Alex Coughlin. I like, I like the new Japan dojo kids. Shibata really is a great trainer. And I think the Japanese style of training is the, is the really the right way to train people, the base focus on the basics and the fundamentals. And cause look at the, look at the results. I mean, these cat, these get these kids are great. You know, um, Carl Fredericks, who I booked for many years in APW, great kid, um he always had that it factor right he just had it confidence um the natural athletic ability but then he goes to shibata shibata really dials in and really dials in those fundamentals he had he had good fundamental training before Fredericks, but i mean really dialed it in and and really helped him just grow and you grow quicker with shibata with that great training so um i like all those guys uh you know uh connor's is a uh I think I'm my favorite of the group, even though I like Carl, because I have a you know attachment to Carl, obviously for booking it. But you know, uh, uh, Clark Connor, I just I just he's like a mix of Ben Wall and Paul Orndorff, just you know, just he just intends, and I like I like workers like that. And so, speaking of uh, young Japanese wrestlers, uh, two young wrestlers from New Japan, um, Shoto Umino versus uh, Yoda Suji. Um, Yoda Suji was a you know, long time uh, young boy. Now he's on excursion and dropped the black trunks and black boots and now has some tights. Came out in this really cool samurai um, a robe. He just he looked awesome. Um, 
And Shota Umino is, you know, he's he's being groomed to be a top star there for sure. I mean, so is so is Suji, but Umino, you you know, like they really see him as a guy that's gonna be in the main events sooner than later. And this match, it was a good match, but it was also kind of confusing because Yoda Suji comes out with. I did not know this guy who it was. I could again the audio could not make it out who it was, but he he was wearing the the t shirt of the the heel that came out earlier. So I guess he's part of that group now. Um, him and Amino just shake hands. You know, Yasuji and Amino shake hands. So I'm like, okay. And they have a, you know, it's a good match. N- nothing nothing barn burning. It shouldn't be. It's a second match. It should be a good quality match. And at one point, the second, who's with Suji, distracts the referee. And before he distracts the referee, he actually left this cane he had with him at with Suji. So as he distracted the referee, he wanted Suji to use the cane on Umino. And Suji has this big smile on his face, like he's gonna do it, and, and he just doesn't. He just ends up hitting the the second, <laughs> and so they have like you know a regular match, and Umino wins. And it, like I said, it was a good match. You know, nothing, nothing you really know you got to see, but it, it's just a good quality match. And after the match, you know, Umino is he won, and he's. He's uh you know getting a crowd to cheer Suji for his strong effort. He's helping Suji back to his feet. Suji's kind of you know, he's been kind of knocked loopy after taking uh Umino's finisher. And Suji just shoves <laughs> he just shoves Umino away. And I'm like, wait a second. Why why what what now you're upset about like you know Get beat fair and square. It was so confusing. And then the second who Suji hit with the cane ends up pulling out the groggy Suji and putting him over his shoulder and carrying him out to, you know, carrying him out to the back to the back. And I'm like, (coughs) I am confused here. Like, what was the point of the cane spot if he's just going to go back with the, 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 the heel group? It was very. Very, very confusing. Uh, if anyone out there can really explain what was going on here, please do. You may have to talk to Oliver Cop. I know he watched the show. He was on my buddy Paul Fontaine's cool uh, YouTube show called uh, Cup of Joe with uh, Grandpa Dez. It's a really fun show. I was on it before, and I know Oliver Cop was on there talking. He, he, he's talking about this show here. He's talking about especially that main event between Will Ospreay and Michael Oku. So, uh, man, that's a man. That's Oliver got like what happened here in this match. I did not know what's going on in the storyline. Of course, again, I don't follow it, so it's hard. I don't know the context, of everything, but it just you would think from what you saw that that's the end of that relationship, and now uh, Suji's gonna be a baby face, but it was not for not. Next match, uh, match number three was Daniel Maloney versus Calvin, Calvin Newman. Daniel Maloney, I've seen before, NXT UK. He's gotten just shredded up, bulked up, just a, a complete beast in there. Calvin Newman, high-flying type. Um, that's basically what he 
what he is a young wrestler one of their young up-and-coming wrestlers seems like that from what i gather from that muffled commentary this match starts really hot um newman dives onto maloney to the floor and even a dive like off the st- like not the stage the rampway area but the, the backstage area like he, he they, they nearly missed a shot of him doing this big dive out but it's like about a minute in they're doing this already uh, quickly, <laughs> they get back to the ring. Maloney cuts them off, and to me, it's like, why even do that spot if you're just gonna get cut off? And I don't know. They're trying to start hot, and they're like, there's not a real need for it, right? You know, like I think it's it's match three. You know, no, why you stage die off a of stage on match three? But um, Newman's offense is very indie, and also he has that same face. You know what I mean by that? He has that. He just has that no expression. It's just he's just doing the moves. And he can execute the moves, but he just just doesn't change the expression. He just you know so he's not working out there. This match, I th- I, I swear to I swear it must have had three resets in it where they, the match just stops and both guys stare at each other and just start and the momentum goes down and they just start chopping each other. And I'm t- guys. Please, if you're listening, any young workers out there, stop with the sitting there with the stupid, strong style, quote unquote, chop exchange or form exchange. It just kills the momentum of the match. And especially when everyone's fucking doing it. Like it's almost damn near every matcher. Two, the two wrestlers are sitting there exchanging chops or exchanging uh, forms. And it just looks ridiculous when you're just sitting there telling the guy, go ahead and hit me and I'm going to hit you. It just, it's old now. It is very old. It's okay if Suzuki does it, right? And that's where I think a lot of people are doing it more. I've seen this more and more, obviously, with the uh, the popularity of uh, New Japan growing, starting with like 2020, 2020, yeah, 2012, when um, you know the you know the rise of Okadas and all that stuff, the series with Tanahashi, all that all that stuff that got New Japan so popular. Of course, the whole thing with Cody and all that kind of stuff. So a lot of these young wrestlers are now being influenced by that, and so they see a guy like Minoru Suzuki or or Ishii, and they and they see them do it, like so they copy it, and it's like it just now every match is doing it. It's a problem. Like it, if it was saved for the big matches, if it was saved for every other show, you know, but it's almost like every match and multiple times during a match, it just it's like again it breaks the momentum. And it's unnecessary. Uh, Maloney won after hitting a, just a nasty-looking vertebraker that uh, I thought this kid Newman's shoulder was gone. And then it's another av- a nasty avalanche driver, just straight down. Um, it was a this match was it was okay. It was there after the match. Danny Maloney. Uh, has a promo and at one point he just tells the the ref to get out of the ring. Get out of here. And the ref does. He just leaves. It's like 
way to bury your ref, you know, or at least the ref. And the ref just like, you know, okay, and just leaves. And I'm like, dude, like, you have to treat your refs better. If the refs have no credibility, your your match has no credibility. You, people they got to understand this. Unfortunately, a lot of wrestlers, and I've seen this from working with many wrestlers, um, or I've gone to shows that are not that I've worked on, and I would see some treatment of those referees, and and that's because they're just not trained right. They're not trained, and the referees are just—they're just there, and they, and they and they don't know how to stick up for themselves, right? Like, the referees are very important. Everyone needs to understand this. Like, the referees—you need to treat yourself with respect. The wrestlers need to treat you with respect because, like I said, if the ref has no authority, the fans think they're bullshit. Your match is bullshit. You understand? Like, it just needs to. We gotta. As we, everyone got to work on this, and it drives me insane. And the referees need to be, they need to impose their will, they need to be authoritative, they also need to be in shape, and they also need to not be there just to, just to count the three. Like, show that you are in control of this match, that you are the authority figure, that you are, uh, you have the power, you know, like just. It's just, and unfortunately, referees, like, in this case, most of these referees sat in the corner and just, you know, kneeled down and had their hands on their knees. Like, no. You don't you don't need to be distracting, like, a, um, what's that guy's name for AEW? Bryce Rinsberg, old, or good old uh, uh, improv comedian, you know, trying to get his shit in and just, you know, not understanding, like, it's not about you, dude. You know, it's about the wrestlers. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying go that far with it but act like you're act like this is a con this is real right it's that because the fans are watching this match and they're seeing and then they're, of course they're mostly watching the wrestlers that's but they're, they're, they're their eyes might gravitate to you and they see you just like sitting there with your thumb up your ass and they're and that's gonna make their suspension of the police go away Right, it's all the, it's everything. It's not just the wrestlers. It's the referee. It's the ring announcer. If the ring announcer's sitting there looking at a cell phone, trying to text someone or look at Twitter while a match is going on, it's going to take the fan out of the match because you're just telling the fan this is bullshit. I, I had a guy in APW. He was ring announcing. And the match started, and he got up and went to go do something or run the back, and not 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 the restroom. It was in the like I can understand it was the restroom, but it was. I think he just was still around the area, just wanted to go talk to someone. I'm like, dude, you can't get up and leave while the match is and is going on because you're just telling these people it's bullshit. And I know you're gonna say, well, John, everyone knows the wrestling is bullshit. I know. We all know what wrestling is. The fans that are paying, most of them know what it is. But you want to suspend disbelief. When I go to watch a uh, superhero movie, you know, I don't want to see the wires. I don't want to see the green screen. You know, I want to be, I want to suspend my disbelief. And so that's why I ran on that. And I got more on this on, you know, a few times where the referee um, just, just, didn't do shit, and it just hurt the match. 
So Maloney kept talking and he's getting zero heat. He's trying to like go to individual people at ringside, the fans, and trying to talk trash. It's just like, just, just falling flat, right? It only started getting heat because he kept being, he's out there too long. People were like, just get the hell out of here, right? And so it just, just didn't work. Match number four was uh, the British women's champion, Alex Windsor versus Charlie Evans. On commentary, now this is the one thing I hear clearly, and, I, and it it nearly knocked me on the ass. They said that Charlie Evans beat Cara Noir in a match. I'm thinking like that's a progress champion. Who recently? They said it happened recently. So if I'm progress, I'm sorry, but Cara Noir, you can't lose Charlie Evans, right? You just can't. And it just, and I, I don't, I do not doubt that they threw that in there to make their Cardinal, the Progress Champion, look bad. In my opinion, that, that that's one hundred percent why they did that. And of course, that's the only thing clear I really hear on this show for the most part. Um, Windsor, I really like Alex Winter. I think she's a talent. She's a real talent. She's a good worker. Good look. Um, they did mention that she's a mother. So, I don't know. It just kind of like really got me behind her even more hearing that. And, you know, she's had a baby or she's a new. She's just, and she's wrestling out there and she's a champ. And mom, I know that a lot of mommies are. There's mothers who are wrestling. But, I don't know. It just, it just I got behind her. Plus, her work was good. And, like I said, her look was good. Charlie Evans was was was, was good as well. Um, she had a... a a good look and a you know cool gear and um, I thought she was fine. I don't know if I would make her the champ of the promotion, but I I would have her booked. You know, I would I think she'd be a, a, she's a quality talent to have on the card. Um, <laughs> Windsor uh, Windsor at one point goes to the top rope, but Evans is like sitting in the corner <laughs> to like the left of her so, and. She kind of just, I don't know, it's just a weird spot. And like later on, she does a coast-to-coast, so I guess that's what she was going for, but it just looked very weird. They did a superplex into a double-down, which, I don't know, that's why people are doing such a big move for a double-down is just, just beyond me here, especially this match here. It was unnecessary. Uh, Windsor hits her coast-to-coast, but it's only two count, which is another another thing. Uh Evans hit a side suplex and like Windsor is selling that she is like knocked out, right? Like dead weight. Evans goes to pick her up and she, you know, Windsor just barely is able to move. So, so Evans starts kicking her in the back, kicking her in the head, giving her some quick shots and really pounding on her. And the ref's not even checking on her. He's just sitting in the corner, bending over, hands on his knees watching this and like <laughs> so the spot was ruined by the ref here because that was the, the spot where he's supposed to jump in check on her oh my god is she knocked out is charlie evans gonna win the belt by knockout no it, it, it's it's whatever they were trying to go for there that's what they were going for uh, actually like it didn't work because the ref fucked up quickly after like after that happens like quickly windsor ends up Get on the offense and hit their finisher, and that's the end. So it was overall a good match, but 
there was some issues with it for sure. Um, after the match, Windsor is uh, you know, Windsor and Evans kind of have a hug and you know mutual uh, adoration for the, the match and and as Windsor is like soaking the cheers, you know, out comes uh, Debbie Keitel. And she attacks Windsor, attacks Evans as well. And (laughs) Kaitel ends up getting the mic, and she cuts this promo. And I don't know who had the longer promo that went. That felt like it was getting zero heat. Was it Danny Maloney or Debbie Kaitel? They're 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 in the running for maybe maybe there's a tie. I don't know, but it just went on and on and. It was like, damn! Are, could you, do you need to pull up a chair? You know, like, do we, like, like, are you reading us a bedtime story? Like, what's this about? Again, the audio was shit, so I couldn't really hear exactly what you're saying. But at the same time, you can hear the crowd is like, chirp, chirp, chirp. Like, given it just went forever. They even they even give her enough heat to say get the hell out. It was just all right. Hurry up, get done. So this again, I wonder why the show was like four down here, four hours. Again, too long. Next matchup I was really looking forward to because one of the participants I've I've watched for a while, Luke Jacobs. Um, seen him on progress. One of my favorites to watch on progress. Love his tag team with Ethan Allen, the young guns. They are a great young team. I mentioned them a few weeks back when I covered progress. Um I just think they're just these super talented young kids. And and, and uh, Chris Ridgeway is also with them as a six man tag, and they're um, they're called Northwest Strong, and they're good. They're a good unit. Uh, Ricky Knight, I've never Ricky Knight Jr. Excuse me, I've never seen him before. First time seeing him, um, and I was so I was really looking forward to this match. I was really excited about it because, like I said, Luke Jacobs is is I think it's a tremendous talent. This match. Um, it was kind of hard. I was kind of confused. Like at first, I thought, okay, Luke Jacobs the heel, and Ricky Knight Jr. RKJ, as they say, is the local Bayface who's he's getting uh he's moving up to wrestle Will Osprey or, or the winner of Will Osprey and Michael Oku in the future, right? So, so I'm like, okay, you know. And and, he, and Luke Jacob does heal a little bit, like he rakes an eye at one point, and but it's a, then all of a sudden, like RKJ, this baby face, is just completely dominant, you know, and c- continues to be dominant. He's beating the, the crap out of Luke Jacobs, you know, or anytime Jacobs gets an offense, R- RKJ just doesn't sell it for long. It's, he's back up and he's back on the offense. Um, RKJ is a good athlete; he does does a lot of great moves. Excuse the moves really well. But he's just like uh, Calvin Newman earlier I saw. Another same face guy. Um he's very he's a very he's a, he's very intense. So it felt like maybe RKJ's the heel, but they were talking about him and Osprey. So and I know Osprey's a, a is a big heel here, so I was confused. But basically RKJ took most of this match and Luke Luke Jacobs is fighting from behind. And I was trying to figure out what, what they were trying to accomplish here. Like, was I know 
Luke Jacobs is a young talent. And I don't know how long RKJ has been wrestling. So maybe it was like the veteran and, 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 the, and the youngsters fighting from behind, putting up the effort. But like, to me, like if you're watching them as workers, Luke Jacobs is like way ahead of RKJ. He's just an overall better worker. He just does you know the little things, um, his selling's great, facials, registering, and like. And Ricky Knight's like if he's supposed to be the babyface, the way he's stalking, his demeanor is more of a heel to me. He's very cocky, very arrogant. He had that he he doesn't have much facial expression other than kind of like. Being intense, but it's kind of like a slappable face. Like he, 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 I think this guy would be a great heel, or you know, it would be a good heel. Um, he needs to work on those facial expressions, but like, it's just. So I was very confused. So it's hard to really get into the match. Other than I was still just amazed by Luke Jacobs, like just work, but especially when he sell. Like he just does these little details, stumbles when he's selling. You know, like gets up and stumbles and just freaking awesome stuff. Love this kid. This kid should be in NXT UK at, at the minimum at this point. Like, he's great. Um, there's a power bomb by RKJ on Luke Jacobs on on the rampway. It's really unnecessary for this match, in my opinion. Um, again, another thing on the ramp. I think I saw like three like three things on the ramp on the ramp. This this show. Like, save it for one match, people. Right? Even the match that. That probably should have been in. They even do it. That was the main event. Uh, Ricky Knight Jr. RKJ wins at the end of the match, and just Luke Cage, uh, Luke Cage, Luke Jacobs selling at the end. It's just so great. God, this kid. I love this kid, man. And I, and again, I like Ethan Allen as well. I I can't wait till that kid gets back. Um, I know he's uh, had a. Uh, a knee injury is getting close. Is getting strong from what I see on the social media, and they are like I said, they're a hell of a team, and also individual. You could put them; they're, they're so versatile. If, I mean, as a booker, you, you want these kids on your rot on your on your shows because you can put them as a tag team; they'll do great. You can put them as a single; they'll do great. So, um, the positives match, I would say, Luke Jacobs just again continues just to really impress me. Match number six was. Uh, Gabriel Kidd uh, from the New Japan Dojo as well, from this area. He, he you know he went out to L.A. and trained with Shibata. First of Francesco Akira, former uh, All Japan Junior Champion. I mentioned him. I talked about him last week on the Body Slam show versus and uh, Endercara. And so this was a, a interpromotional match. So that, that was really cool. You had Gabriel Kidd New Japan. You had Francesco Akira All Japan. So that that was a lot of fun, and it's also um, it was Gabriel Kidd's a heavyweight in New Japan, so Francisco Kira's a junior heavyweight. So you had that dynamic. Um, that are a hot start, and and it fit here because it's like you know rival companies in Japan, and they both want to you know impose their will. And Akira, and Francesco Kira himself is being smaller. He really has to. Just really put take the fight to Gabriel Kid. Um, there was a chop battle again that went way too long. Um, they they did this a couple times, and but the one just one just just 
it went forever and you know francesca cure he's like he's like he's a a pale young kid you know redhead redheaded kid so so the chops are just i mean the blood's coming through the skin and it's is you know at the end of the match his chest looked like mincemeat but it but this was this was this was good though i mean other than that it was like a really good and the crowd was going nuts for this match um akira starts making his comeback you know and he hits a head and arm suplex but kid no sold it and gets up behind akira who's like you know soaking in cheers he hit the head and arm and a kid gets up quickly no sells it gets up quickly he has a german suplex but then Akira fires up, no sells it. As kids like looking around, not 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 facing Akira, Akira quickly hits a running drop kick, and uh, kid goes into the corner, kneels down to the second turnbuckle, and then um, Kira runs at him with the running, I guess, the, a double knee to the back. And I just. I understand the, the the strong style, like fight through, but it would have been so cool. Like Fran, Francesca Kira hits that half Nelson suplex, boom, he soaks it, just powers up. Yeah, kid gets up, goes for that German. As he goes for the German, he instead of Akira taking the German suplex. I was thinking, man, it would have been a lot harder if he would have just flipped out of it, land on his feet, then hit the drop kick, quick drop kick, boom, to the back. Then Gabriel goes to the corner. Then you hit the double knees. Then you roll him out. Then you then you go for the count, right? I just thought that was uh I just thought that was that would have been just just hotter at that point, you know. Little little little, you know, minor, you know critique for me there but you know um they started doing the you know run the ropes ducking clothesline ducking clothesline kids trying to get him akira's too fast and quick finally just finally hits a left-handed clothesline boom and that that was awesome that was awesome um the, and then he hit another move, kick out from Akira. I think it was a power bomb or something. But then Gabriel Kid hit the hit a, hit the brain buster, and that finished off Akira. I thought, boom! After that fucking clothesline, left hand clothesline, boom! Then you do the brain buster, bam! What you know? But it's like, it's like everyone's kind of like does this almost like a lot of matches they do. It's like I had that one last big kick out. Like eh, sometimes you don't need that, right? It just kind of dips the momentum just a little bit. In my opinion. So, but this was so far the best match on the show. And the crowd was awesome in this match, enjoying it. It was a it was a fun match. I I, I really like both these guys a lot. Um Francisco Kira, like I said, I started watching him in 2019 when he showed up in all Japan and just kind of coming up those, you know, on the undercard. And I was like, man, this kid has some talent. And it was so cool to see him progress and then win the junior championship. So um, I understand he's hurt right now. I think he was hurt. Maybe it's this match, I believe. Or, um, but he, I know he, he he couldn't make his future bookings. Like he couldn't be in the WXW 16 Karat Gold Tournament. And I was really looking forward to him being there in that tournament um, coming up in March. But 
So he was out of that tournament. And I, I like Gabriel Kidd's work. I, I, I enjoyed his matches in New Japan when, they, when he was like on, like on every show, right? And um, he's a good talent. Um, needs to stay off social media and not worry about social media too much. But that's a whole other story. But, uh, but yeah, tremendous. Uh, next match was um, uh, the Aussie Open. Versus the Sunshine Machine for the tag team titles. Sunshine Machine are the tag team champions. Sunshine Machine are TK Cooper and Chuck Mumbo, I believe his name was. And I've seen it before in progress. And they're okay. Like, I I, I kind of would skip their matches. I mean, Mumbo has, like, he's funky, has a funky charisma. Um, TK Cooper, he has, he has a good, he's, you know, he has a good attitude and confidence, but, like, you know, he just has skinny, he's a skinny fat guy, right? He just, like, like, dude, like, he has personality. He has this cool swagger about him. Like, if you just get in the gym and start looking like a main eventer, you know, I'm not saying get freaking gassed out and all that stuff, you know, just, just, just look like someone instead of just someone, you know, you see at the grocery store, just like, and you wouldn't even pay attention. Like, you know, be, be, stand out. Um, Mark Davis and Kyle Fletcher, Aussie Open. I've seen clips of them, I believe. I've seen, I don't, I don't know if I, no, I have not watched a full match. This is like really a full match. I've seen Bell to Bell with them. Um, they're part of the, uh, the Legion, whatever, the Legion, what is that? Legion, the uh, United, the United, uh, group that Will uh, Ospreay's in charge of and Jeff Cobb's in and a few others. In this match, eventually I just said, when the fuck is this match going to end? Because it's like so long. They did every move. It started off good. Like, okay, this is a good match, right? And then it just kept going and going. Um, So many moves. So, and, and I, you know. Some some tag team matches have no double team moves. And I'm like, you, like they're a tag team, they do no double team moves, right? Other than they're made their finish, but you know, this these teams have a million double team moves, but they're all finishers. That's the problem. And I'm like, you know, like the, my favorite tag team of all time, Midnight Express. They had a bunch of double team moves, but each one built was bigger kept getting was would built up to the finish right like it wasn't like you weren't gonna beat the guy with the drop toe hold elbow drop combo they would do you wouldn't beat the guy with the uh um the hanging the guy on the ropes and the and the other partner jumps over his his partner's back and hits an elbow on the middle of the back of the opponent who's hanging on that rope um it it just it, it you know it it was it it made sense like they weren't getting they weren't getting they're building to the big rocket launcher they're building to the big uh vegematic um or even the even the um the double flapjack like these moves are all like big finishers it's like and so it just kept going and going and kick out and kick out i i didn't get a chance to see how long this match was but it was it felt like forever and I saw every move in the book, and I'm like, okay, like, when's this gonna, like I said, when's it gonna freaking end? Uh, they did this, 
Bulldog, Canadian Destroyer. I don't know. The, the Bulldog. Oh, the British Bulldogs, you know, when they would have the guy, their opponent up on the back of like David Boy Smith having like a fireman's carry and the dynamite would jump off the top rope with like a flying head bo- headbutt. Fly, fly, actually fly out the back of the uh, the guy that Davey Boy is holding and he would dynamite fly out the back, hit the, you know, hit a splat or headbutt, excuse me, on the other opponent and pin him. So they did, Sunshine Machine had one of the Aussie Open guys on one of their shoulders and then the other Sunshine Machine guy, I think it was Mambo came on the top rope to hit like a, a Canadian Destroyer. It just was just messed up, right? It just kept going, going and going. And here, and 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 this poor ref, and it's not his fault because this is the match these guys fucking called here, right? Even though he should say, "Hey, man, I'm just getting buried. What I do?" And basically, it was like just sit in the corner and wait for us to to do some counts because that's all the guy could do because this match made no sense really like it just it just lost all it just kept going and going and 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 i don't know just there's no story to it it was all action just action action that meant nothing and you they did so much that you forgot about it as soon as it was over um the last match the main event the match um that everyone's talking about will osprey versus michael oku um they included a nice Video package for this match, so kind of it sort of caught me up to the story. There was, you know, Osprey beat up Oku after a match, and in front of his family and, and his wife or girlfriend. I, I, I they didn't. I couldn't figure out. They said wife or girlfriend, but either way. And so now we're getting to this title match, and Oku's a lightweight champion and Osprey's the heavyweight champion and you know I've been really hard on Osprey in the past right like I think he's very talented but sometimes I also think he's a somewhat overrated um just the f- over the top facial expressions and the overselling um but as an athlete, I enjoy watching when he would just take the air because he just does it like he just glides. Like it's just like so easy for him, right? It's like he's he's just a he's an amazing athlete. But like the the the, the stuff like the overselling, which kind of just take me out of his matches. And so of course, I heard about this match. Heard about Dave's raving about it. The five star rating. People were Oliver Cop was on. Like I said, Paul Fontaine's Cup of Joe, Grandpa Dez. Um, show and he was talking about how great a match was i'm like okay i you know i gotta i gotta gotta check this out i think it's a good show to review for taking a podcast and also my good friend dave rubio i should have mentioned earlier the heartbreak kid he dm me he's like john you know i haven't seen you yet but everyone's raving about it i want to know what your opinion on uh will osprey versus michael oku match so i said okay so i have to watch it so okay great so thanks for that recommendation uh rubio i appreciate it man and and so I'm watching this match, or before we get to the match, let's get the entrances first. Osprey comes out, and he's doing a great job of healing. The attitude, the nose in the air, and the story of the match is Oku's wife's out there, a girlfriend, his parents are out there, plus some other family members, 
And Osprey does a great job of always keeping them. I talk, contact them, always mugging to them, you know, and Oku's girlfriend or wife, whatever, she's, she was great in this. She was so good, though. She did kind of telegraph her spot a little bit, and we'll get in that, we'll get in that shortly, but overall, I thought she was tremendous. Like, she was one of the MVP, and she really added to the drama of this match. Oku, like I said, he's a light heavyweight, so he's very small. Uh, Osprey is just gigantic right now um, and looked gigantic compared to Oku. And early on, it was really going good. It's like one of the best I've seen Will Osprey work. Healing, just being such a dick, and you want to see it get his ass kicked. And the crowd was just really – the heat was – was really good, but there's still a lot of fans, a lot, a lot of vocal fans who are pulling for Osprey. Um, Oku is a good athlete. He needs to work on his heat. A lot of his heat look, I thought, looked really weak. Like when he did, like his forearms, just like just, just were thrown up there. No, no, no oomph behind him. No body language behind him. Just, just there. Um, he really, especially in this match here, with and this match here needed good punching, especially from Oku because the forearms can are fine, but like if you really hate someone or you want to get at them, you're gonna punch them, right? You want to punch their lights out. So a good working punch is a forgotten art, you know. Look at Magnum T.A. versus Tully Blanchard and that cage match, Stark 85. You know, you know, T.A. will throw a couple forms, but like he, he's punching, right? He's throwing a lot of punches. Uh, Lawler threw a lot of punches because it was, you know, the Austin would throw punches. You know, everyone had good punches, you know. It's not Cena. Cena's punches are rough, but, um, you know what I mean? Like, it just, you had to have good punches. And it, it just... It's just sometimes when you're getting this moment and it's really heated and you want to see this guy get his ass kicked. You want to see him get revenge for his for what happened that was being beat up by in front of his wife and family. And he's throwing these like little lifter punches. You know, I know you can't see me because I'm on audio podcast, but it's just so like oh, it's just driving me insane. So so the match kept going on. There's a point. There's a big bump by Oku to the floor. And he takes like this really nasty bump on this little timekeeper's table they had out there. And the wife, she's like freaking out. And she's trying to get over to him, but she can't. So just, you know, she can't make her way around. But she's like, the camera's focused on her. And she's like asking, is like, seemed like she was asking, like, is he okay? You got any update? Or, you know, what are they saying? And, and like, uh, yeah. Or or she was like, do I go over there? I don't know. But either way, whatever they, whatever she was doing, it just looked like she was, like, in distress. Like, oh, my God. My my my, my husband or my boyfriend is, is hurt. It, I need to help him. He needs help. And um, people are over there checking on Oku. They're surrounding him while he tries to uh, blade himself. And it just... Didn't work. It was like a, a little bit of blood, but you know, not just just not enough to really get a dramatic, uh, that dramatic with the that blood where the baby face is bleeding and that. Oh my god! And this guy's being that. He's just he's gonna lose and this this asshole, right? 
so eventually the match goes, and this is the clip that was shared online that I did see before. Osprey goes and gets in the girlfriend or wife's face, right? And he's just talking trash. And he's like, and she just like throws her drink in his face. And he just freaks. He gets all pissed off and freaks out, grabs her by the hair, pulls her over the guardrail, right? Security gets involved. It's just it's chaos. Oku comes flying through and hits this running drop kick. And Osprey takes this big wild bump at the guardrail. It's just, it's fucking great. And the, and the crowd's going insane. This is the, this is it. This is like, okay, here we go, right? Now it's trying to turn this match up to a whole new gear. And I, and start going towards that finish, right? Like just, this is the original. They start working towards that and keep it going. Keep that momentum going. But unfortunately, they don't. They, it, it continues to go, this match continues to go too long. And there was moments where it got a little hot again, but it never reached that moment, right? Where at that moment where the chaos with the wife and the outside. At one point, Oku does a dive out the floor. Now, now Osprey's bleeding. He's bleeding heavily, and but it like but when they but to get there, the momentum dipped. Okay, so I'm thinking like what they should have done, in my opinion. After that crazy, chaotic moment with the girlfriend and the security and Oak, who, who fired up great and came out with that dropkick, now Osprey likes to be like, holy, he takes that big bump in the garbage, the dropkick, boom. Now he's kind of loopy from that, right? Like, oh, shit. You know, he's been he's been pretty much dominant in this match and because he's, you know, stronger and and just a little more cunning and and, and takes like a, few, a couple shortcuts on the, on the Bayface Oku, so... He's been, he's been just, and of course he's been at wrestled a higher level, so he's just a step above Oku. But Oku's the young, light heavyweight who's in the fight, right? And he's never given up, and he has this grudge against Osprey. Osprey's too concerned about just making humiliating this guy, right? <clears throat> so at this point in the match, where Oku hits that drop kick and again that great bump by Osprey at the guardrail. Now this is where those punches come in. Now you get now he gets wild. Boom. And now now Osprey's like reeling but begging off. Like, oh shoot, I got myself. Now this guy I've just really I poked a bear too much. Now now this kid wants my head, right? And they should be fighting around the ringside here. Fighting fight. Now Oku takes Osprey, rams his head into the ring post, right? Boom. Osprey goes down. That's where you get the color. Right, not on the dive out. I guess you, of course, anything can happen. You can get color on a dive out. You can hit your head on the floor. You get get, get a guy's elbow to the head. You get, and it, it, I mean, I'm not saying that it didn't make sense that the blood happened after the dive out. It's just visually, there will be no question from the fans who are watching at ringside and on video that oh, he got cut because he got rammed into that ring pose, and of course. You know, Oku would have been justified to doing that because of what happened. He just saw with his lady, and and you know he is bleeding, so like he's getting his measure revenge. So boom, he should run to the car right now. Now, 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 you know, Osprey comes up bleeding. Oku's still on him. It gets him back in the ring. Right now, he starts going to some false finishes. 
And Osprey would try to cut him off and do something, but Oku would get him again. Another false finish, right? Osprey tried to go for something else. Like maybe goes for the hidden blade, duck, you know, false finish, kick out. Finally, Oku, I'm uh, sorry, Osprey gets something. Bam! Change the momentum. Ends up. And they could do the finish that they did. Like, I, I thought it was great. Like, where Osprey clearly had that match one. Oku was just, you know, been concussed. And Osprey would go for the pin. One, two, and act like, you know, Oku kicked out so he could continue to do the hidden blade to uh, Oku and, and just so, and rub it into the face of his, of his family. You know, as they're watching, he really wanted to abuse and just really take this kid out in front of his family. It was very, I mean, this is, to me, this is one of Osprey's best performances. I, I At least, maybe maybe for me, his favorite, my favorite performance of him because just as a heel, like I see him as a heel in New Japan and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's honestly, it's not that good. It's, it's, it's just, he just kind of acts like a heel, but it doesn't, he doesn't feel like he feels it. Here he felt it, right? And with that story, with the family, it was easy really for him to put his mind to that place where he needed to be this nasty heel. And he just kept multiple picking up this kid and getting a hidden blade. And Oku's just like out. And the, <laughs> the referee, you would think you would check on him. Oku, you'd think he would. No, he's, he's again in the corner. And then Oku has a second. Who he is, I don't know. They might have said his name. I couldn't hear it. I think they did. I was trying to listen. I just I couldn't make it out who it was. But this is where the match starts falling down a little bit. The finish. Now, I like the stuff with the Hidden Blade and picking him up and really being a, just a, a nasty heel that's really going to injure this kid. right? I like that in front of the family. I think that's just great. But now the second, who has a who has a towel, who came out with the towel, and I'm like, okay, I kind of should have seen this coming, but I really didn't even pay attention to this kid because I didn't even really, I saw him come out, but he was you know crouching down, and I barely saw him. So he gets up and he starts thro- like going to throw the towel in, right? But he's being, it's. It's a should I, shouldn't I? Oh, I can't do it. It's <laughs> it's too much. It's a little too much, and it brings you back to okay, this is a performance, and so he. he but the wife or the girl, like, I, I wish I, I hear what they say. Cause I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say wife slash girlfriend because I don't know. She is like pleading to the second, like throw the towel. Oku's close to the ropes where the second is, and his and his lady is. And he's reached out to her, and she's like, just wants him to let him throw the towel in. Oak, of course, doesn't want him to throw the towel in, and and he just jumps in. The, so the second jumps out, can't do it, but but um, Oku's lady, she grabs a towel and she throws it in, and it hits Osprey, right? And you would think the ref would be ringing that bell. That's it. Right through the towel. No, the ref sister like, oh, what happens there? That's what I was looking. I was like, I've never seen, I've never seen this finish before. Like, what happened? Like, he just goes, what? He's just staring like a, like a like a statue. 
And Osprey got hit with the towel, picks the towel up, and he just tells the ref, no, you're not going to end it that way. And the ref gets the towel. I think Osprey may have threw it to him. And just throws his hands up. Like, okay. Are you fucking kidding me? Barry the referee fucking killed this finish. Osprey ends up hitting the was a stone breaker, I think, whatever. Or whatever. Maybe another hidden blade. I was so pissed. I kind of just was at this finish and how they treat me as referee and in it's like you can't do that finish because why didn't you go well why didn't he just call I'm sure I want to hope the ref Lee said well why am I not calling for the belt that she throws in the towel well I'm going to tell you not to well why that's, and then if he didn't say that well that just buries me or is too scared to if Will Ospreay doesn't understand like yeah you're right I shouldn't do that then fuck all man like you know like come on Seriously, so the finish was flat, and just, just horribly executed at the right that that that, that final moments. Right, it could have been such a dramatic, like White throws in the towel, and she's she can be crying, and and you know, like holding Oku and and and. Osprey could be standing over him, laughing as they, as the, you know, just just taking it all in, and he could just like drag poor Oku by the leg and yank him away from his lady, get that towel and start choking the shit out of him in front of her, and she can pop in, and then the family can pop in, and I loved it when Osprey was like on the ropes. Sitting there while the wife's just slapping. He's not doing nothing because he's not going to hit a woman, right? And, and the family grabbed her away. I, I like that. But what they did just a few a minute before that just kind of killed it. You know, really killed that moment. That really dramatic finish they could have had with the towel and everything. And it just didn't work. Now, is this a five-star match? Now, I don't, honestly, I haven't rated a match with stars in a very, very long time. Like I said, I'm good friends with Dave Meltzer. We watch a lot of shows together. Um, he would ask me my opinion on matches, what star I, rating I thought it was. I would give it to him. And we were always pretty close. But eventually, like, it, to me, like, when he, I love Dave. But, like, when he started going over, like, six stars, seven stars, it just became ridiculous. And then, like, certain matches were just, like, well, the straw that broke the candles back for me when it came to star rings and, and why I, I don't do anymore was there it was early on in AEW, and it was a match with Private Party versus Lucha Brothers. And it was just botch move after botch move. The psychology was all, all the hell. At one point, I think a Lucha Brother bent over so and, and bent over while a private party member put his brother on Penta's shoulders and like he just allowed him to do it and it was like I was like this match is the shit and then I saw on the observer it was like four and a half star I'm like four and a half star for that that was a total, total clusterfuck right 
So I was like, okay, I'm done. It is the whole star rating thing is totally, totally to me, just gone, just over. You know, I just not the way I rate matches anymore, right? I, I, I thought it was a great indicator how to rate matches, but now it's like, especially when it's so over the top now with all these star ratings and, and six and seven, like, I don't know. But I love Dave. <laughs> he, he knows, he knows my opinions on that. And, we still have a great time. We hang out and talk wrestling and watch events together. But, okay, so I heard he gave this match five stars, which made me skeptical after what I said, but what stuff I've seen lately the last few years. So, what does John LaRocca think? Is this a five-star match? My verdict is no. It is not a five-star match. Great crowd heat. Osprey, I thought, was tremendous. Oku was a good underdog babyface, but his heat was weak. But ultimately, what really brought it down for me, it went a little long, and it dipped. A lot of momentum dipped. I thought they, like I said, I thought the finish should have happened soon after all the chaos with the wife. And ultimately, it was the finish with the towel because it was ridiculous when the towel was thrown in. The ref didn't do nothing. It was ridiculous that Osprey. Um, told the ref not to do anything, not to call it, and the ref listened to him. Just really, just took me out of the match. And so I, if I'm gonna give it a star rating, if you if you had to put a gun to my head and say, John, it has to be a star rating, what would you give it? I would say four and a quarter, four and a half, which is still a really good rating, right? By the old scale, you know, I don't know about now. What we're a four and a half? I don't know what that means nowadays. Um, they get you know. They get passed around like, like cookies, you know, on a, on a Sunday on a Sunday morning. Uh, it just it, it, you know, but I would say it's it was four and a quarter, four and a half, maybe leaning more four and a quarter. Was it a fun match to watch? Yes. Was well, I enjoyed it? Yes. Um, but no, I, I not not to me what five star matches mean. You know, like it's doesn't doesn't it doesn't hold it doesn't reach that level in my opinion so that's my verdict overall it was um you know fun to watch rough pro i've never seen before i i don't know if i'm gonna continue to watch a lot of this um here and there when i yeah i maybe i'll maybe tune in to see osprey here I, I, I actually prefer him here than i did in, in japan believe it or not um but I really liked his heel work here. I thought I thought he was a more natural here heel here. So we'll see um, who's going to be the guy that conquers him in this promotion, right? Uh, I didn't see anyone on the undercard. At, I mean, I guess Ricky Knight Jr. is the guy that they're setting up next. But I didn't see. I don't know. I didn't feel like he was the guy. But no, we'll see. We'll, we'll I'll keep my eye on Rev Pro for sure. So hope you guys enjoyed the show. Um. I hope you guys check out the bonus show with myself and Promise Thomas. Um, it would be I, I like I said I think you're going to enjoy it. It's uh, again it's a it's five dollars a cup of coffee so give it a shot. And on today's episode on Take It Home Podcast right here, I think we're gonna um, I think we'll give you a few mi- few minutes of our of the, the bonus show on the Patreon and give you a nice sample of what promise Thomas and I did. So I hope you enjoy it 
And thanks again for listening. Thank you, David Rubio, for giving me this recommendation. And I hope you enjoyed it. Have a good night. Everyone be safe. Take care. Hook, right? Hook mania, send hook, all that. What do you think about hook when you, when you first saw him? I fucking loved him. Mm-hmm. I loved him. I didn't know what, you know, you'd seen him like everyone else. You'd, you'd seen him and it became a running joke of like, mm. when is this kid going to wrestle? But right away, I mean, I loved, I loved the, the, the music, the action Bronson. Um, yeah. Just his attitude. Um, I love everything. And I lo- I like him because he's wrestling. He's not playing wrestler. He's not, you don't see him thinking and memorizing things in there. It's just, he's doing what he knows, which is wrestling, which is judo, amateur wrestling. Um, and it's, he's getting better every week, man. I, um, yeah, you know, he's, I think that first match, uh, a lot of people were like, felt like maybe he not rushed in the ring, but rushed getting to the ring, leaving the ring with the facials. He's really, uh, this match against, I believe it was Blake Lee, uh, from mm-hmm. rampage taking his time more. You can tell he's letting things digest, um, he has a persona. He's not a, obviously he's not big, but he wrestles big. He has a, a amazing persona. Um, he's letting things sink in more. Um, <clears throat> he's changing gears. Like, yeah. like when he did that opening, I can't remember what he got, but he ended up almost like an ankle pick and then he shoved Lee down. And just a change of like when, when, a wrestler goes for a shot or an outside single. There's just a change of gear that you see there. And he has this in all his moves. Um, yeah. I, I love his explosiveness. Like yes, when he goes, yeah. to, it's, it's from the amateur training, right? Like he just, yeah. he's quick to it. Yeah. And, but a lot of people like they'll do like slams or what. And you know, you could, it's like, you could tell it's the performance, but with him, you're like, Oh shit, he really grabbed that guy. He's dumping him. Right. It just, right, he he's just doing, makes you, he, it, it all relates it all having done martial arts and mm-hmm. having, you know, wrestled in a little bit in high school. It's just, it, it's all relative to each other. And I've said this yeah. before on my show and other shows, um, it, you just work it. You're just, you're just flowing. You're just, it's almost like you're drilling when you're working it. But yeah, he has amazing that pop and that snap on the suplexes and on the takedowns. Um, one thing I really like, and I, we've mentioned this before, he adds one thing each week, and mm-hmm. um, he's added, you know, different suplexes, uh, the T bone, the um, almost like the head and arm overhead throw. Um, but he he also sequences them different. So he might be doing the same things. You know, he'll add in, like, at the beginning of this Blake Lee match, he added in a different takedown. But he sequences things differently, and it all leads up to the to the Taz mission. And, um, you know... What do you, he, what do you think about the Taz, Taz mission? Like, sometimes I feel like submission holds can be a little, I don't know, anticlimactic in some ways, right? But, like... Yeah. Like, cause he has those, those great suplex. If you can kind of narrow down to one, 
maybe unique or maybe it's a T-bone like as his finisher. I don't know if that would be more exciting finish than the rear than the um I I or, think or not. I mean, I always loved like a good lat throw or like a belly to belly, mm-hmm. like Magnum TA had the oh, yeah. yes. belly to belly. Um, I know Rhett Titus does a rebound belly to belly. Um, someone else does one. I can't think of it right now. Um, I like the, ta- I mean, the Taz mission was his father's. I think I'm big on having multiple finishers, having a yeah. submission, having a couple finishers and you know, you saw like <clears throat> you saw with Daniel Bryan when he came into AEW, he was winning with different submissions. You know, you saw with John Cena, he had the attitude adjustment, he had the STF. Um, having different ways that you can tease things and having different ways to finish guys, um, I like. I mean, I always like like a good power slam or a good brain buster, and then you know mm-hmm. one, two, kick out, and then boom, right into a cross face or right into a submission there, and then you get the, you know, then you get the, um, you can seamless into those things very easily, yeah. you know, from from move to submission. Um, so yeah, I think I think it I think it works for now submissions i always like visual where you're standing and you Mm -hmm. can see you can see you know if it's a sharpshooter you can see the 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 guy giving it or the girl giving it standing up and then you can see the the face on yes you know there's there's something something's going down there but it's better than having both both workers down but um yeah i think just keep doing what he's doing now and just add in those and i it, I, I think it's going to keep going this way because I think his his father oversees everything and yeah. and <clears throat> you can tell they're thinking out this. It's really strategic as as it should be how they're booking him out and and using him and um, you know he'll work his way up the ladder. Yeah, you know, as Grill yeah. Monsoon used to say. <laughs> yeah, booking wise, I think they're I think they're doing a great job. I think right now you have him. You have them just beating, you know, QT Marshall's is stooges, right? And then right. it leads to a QT Mar- Martin, his match with him, and he beats him. So yeah. I think that's really good. The Taz mission, I, I don't mind it, but I kind of would have, I would have told him to use it when he's about to win a big match. Like for, you know, you get him over, he gets over with the other move, something else, and then he can't win the match. But then when he locks on his dad's finisher, he finally puts this, to find puts his opponent way in a big match. I think that would have been a big moment. And people I mean, would he could go, he could go for something standing. Like he could go mm-hmm. for a, he could go for a chicken wing standing and the guy is in tapping and then boom, he gets the hooks in and falls to the mat and then gets slips in the rear naked. And then boom, it's fucking over. Cause you get a yeah. rear naked and boom, it's like an arm bar done, you know? Yeah. So, um, a lot of ways you can go with it. I, you know, I, I got trust. He grew up in the business, and his dad is there. Yeah. You know, being a being, being a, a father to a son, as we both are, like I can't. My heart just like bursts for Taz every time, <laughs> like he's doing commentary for his son out there. I think it's just awesome, and uh, you know, I've I seen him do well too. Yeah, you know, I over. would. I. I'm kind of. T- I had the idea of if they should book him out 
for independence. We had talked about this idea before about booking like a Brock mm-hmm. Anderson out and stuff, but I want to keep Hook special. Um, yes. I think a blood sport, if I was to book him out, maybe a blood sport, maybe a big New Japan strong show. Um, I think I think him going and maybe training for a couple weeks at the New Japan Dojo. Mm-hmm. I don't think I I don't think that would hurt anyone going there, but I yeah. think um that would certainly maybe add a thing here or there to his game, but he's doing great now and it's it's I fucking love him and <clears throat> yeah, every other week keep this up. I I agree. And one thing I would tweak about his whole presentation, I I I dig his back to the opponent in the corner, you know, with, with that camera there on him and his is he's mugging, right? I I love that. But I would direct the referee, always stay between me and my opponent. Because, you know, like I don't know, so, in APW, an APW at least from us, like you you never turn your back on your opponent, right? No matter what. And and I've seen many times what people would do and Using the APW wrestler would nail them, bro. You know, for doing that. So, so I was just gonna referee yeah. between them, just kind of make sure that the opponent won't go out and get them.